1996, there was uh, some ads that were put out in many uh, major newspapers announcing that Taco Bell had purchased the, the famous Liberty Bell in uh, Philadelphia. They purchased the Liberty Bell, and they had announced that now that they were the corporate sponsor of the, the Liberty Bell, it was going to be renamed to the, the Taco Liberty Bell. And this, of course, was in the papers on uh, April 1st of 1996. Many people did not realize this was an April Fool's Day joke, that the Liberty Bell is actually not for sale. It doesn't matter uh, how many gorditas you want to give in exchange for it. Uh, They're not selling it. But I guess there was even some senators that saw this and didn't realize that it was an April Fool's joke. And uh, they're calling in and, you know, asking, what have you done? You know, asking the National Park Service, why have you sold the Liberty Bell? You can't do this type of thing. Uh, so that's, that's a pretty good April Fool's joke. Uh, I guess when asked about it, the, uh, the White House press secretary uh, responded and said that actually they had uh, recently also sold the Lincoln Memorial. They sold it to the Ford Motor Company. It would be now known as uh, the Lincoln Mercury Memorial. Well, that's, that's pretty good. I've got to give them credit for that. That's just one of some really great hoaxes, some really great April Fool's pranks that have been done over the years. Uh, one of the best was by the, the British Broadcasting Company in 1957. They aired a, a fake documentary uh, about a, a family in southern uh, Switzerland and talking about the great spaghetti harvest that they were having there. And it showed this family going around uh, harvesting spaghetti out of the spaghetti trees. And it was going on about how it was such a bumper year for the spaghetti. It is coming in great on the trees. There was a mild winter. They had virtually eradicated the, uh, the dreaded spaghetti weevil, <laughs> which was just a good thing. And they showed them laying it out to dry. And, you know, through careful uh, 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 cultivating of the crops, they were able to get the spaghetti at the standardized length. Um, <laughs> But the great thing about this is that they received hundreds of phone calls from people asking, how can I grow a spaghetti tree? I want to get a spaghetti tree in my backyard too. So that is, that is brilliant. I mean, how silly that those people would be fooled. I mean, we all know that spaghetti, like everything else, is grown in the grocery store. I mean, come on. Sometimes practical jokes uh, don't turn out all that well, however... Uh, sometimes there are some repercussions. In Massachusetts, near the town of Milton, there's a hill called the uh, Great Blue Hill. And it's just a hill, but back in 1980, uh, local um, Boston television station, at the end of their broadcast, again on April Fool's, uh, just announced that the, uh, the Great Blue Hill had gone volcanic and was erupting. And they played some stock footage of uh, lava flowing and I think Mount St. Helen blowing its top. And then at the end, they had a little card that said April Fools. Uh, but I guess the local police station started receiving all kinds of calls. Uh, people in the nearby towns were panicking and, and, and fleeing the town. And uh, the producer that was in charge of this uh, ended up getting fired <laughs> uh, for just bad judgment here. Sometimes... These pranks don't go well. They don't go the way that uh, they're intended. They turn out bad. Today is Easter. 
Today is also April Fool's Day, and this is actually the first time that Easter has fallen on April Fool's Day in, uh, I believe, 62 years. And so I think it's, with this coming together, um, it made me think, when we think about the resurrection, what are we doing here? We're getting together and we're singing a bunch of songs about how Jesus is risen, about how this changes our life, how this gives us joy and all of this. Is this a real deal? Or, because if, if this is not, according to Scripture, this is not a, a happy little ha-ha. This is not a happy little fantasy that we, we live that makes our, our, our lives nice to have this fantasy. No, it says Scripture says this would be the, the worst prank, the most cruel joke that has ever been played on, on humanity or anyone if this was not the real thing. If this had not actually really happened at a, a certain time, at a certain place on the planet, this happened or else, well, the Apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, if Christ hasn't risen, then we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, he says Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. And this is what I want us to think about today as we think about the resurrection is the difference it makes if this is true or if this is just a joke, if this is just some, some fantasy that, that people are choosing to believe. If Christ is not risen, then we are the victims of the most cruel prank of all time. But if Christ has been raised, then praise God, we, we gain everything. This changes absolutely everything. But it all depends if Christ was really raised. So what I wanted to do today is I want to think about looking at this passage and thinking through this. What is the difference that it makes? I want us to think about what would it be like if Christ actually has not been raised. If we really think about that and we really try to think, okay, Christ is not raised. Uh, There is no eternal life. This is all there is. And then compare that to what is the difference if if this is true. So we'll look at the first half of this first. And that we'll sum this up by saying... If Jesus is not risen, then it would be foolishness to live with your faith in Christ. If we want to think about April Fools, it would be this would be foolishness for you coming to church here, claiming to be a Christian, to be doing this, to be trusting Christ with your eternal salvation, to be to be living this life that is different because we believe that there is an eternity. That, that matters, that we'll be with God, that he is going to, as Christians, take us to be with him one day, that he's going to return one day and make everything right. If that's not true, it'd be foolish to live with our faith in Christ. Let me read a longer section here. This is still from 1 Corinthians. Let's read uh, chapter 15, 14 through 19. Paul writes, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. And we are even found to be misrepresenting God 
because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then even Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, those, those who have died, have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Let's think about this for a little bit. Yes, first, have any of you ever heard of uh, Blaise Pascal? Okay, he's, he's not the, uh, the little lizard from the one Disney movie. Which one is it? A tangled a little... A different bl- Pascal. This is the famous uh, French... Uh, he was a mathematician and a philosopher uh, from the, uh, the 1600s. And maybe you remember something about him from uh, math class. He's famous for uh, Pascal's Triangle, which if you're a math geek, you already know what that is. And if you're not a math geek, then, well, who cares? Uh, <laughs> something with a triangle with a bunch of numbers in it. But another thing that, uh, that Pascal is famous for is something that's called Pascal's Wager. And let me kind of describe to you what, what Pascal's wager was. Uh, because he said, really, we're, we're all having this big, ult- the ultimate wager. And you have to think about what is the, what is the benefit what is the, that could be gained and what is the loss, depending on how you decide to, how you decide to wager this. So uh, let me describe it this way. Imagine that you have to take part in this game, okay, that there's... Uh, this is the wager that you have to do, and you can play either game one or you can play game number two, okay? And so if you decide to play game one, here are the stakes. You're going to, you're going to flip a coin, okay? And in game one, you, you want there to be heads. So you're going to flip a coin. You hope that there's heads. If there is tails and you play game one, you lose, and you lose... A, a pretty big thing. You lose $100. Okay, you have to pay out $100 because you lost game one. But if you play game one and you win, you get heads, you win $100 million. Okay, so if you lose, you lose 100 If you win, you get $100 million. That's if you choose game one. So decide, okay, is this, if you have to do one of these, I know you're not, not betting people, but if you were forced, are you going to play game one? Or there's, there's game two. Let me describe this one. This one, if you play game two, you are betting on tails. And you're hoping tails comes up. Okay, so you're going to flip the coin, and you're going to hope that it's, that it's tails. And in this game, if, you are, if you're right, and you get tails, you win, and you win $100. All right, who wouldn't want $100? That'd be nice to have an extra 100 But in this game, if you do uh, game two, and this one you lose, say so you lose $100 million. Okay? So let's review here. Think of which, if you were forced to pick one of these two, which one do you want to do? Okay, game one, where you, you could lose, and you, um, uh, you lose $100, but if you win, $100 million, Okay? Or... Oh, doesn't this, this one sound better? You could, you could win 100, 
or you could lose 100 million and be in debt forever and ever and ever because you can never pay that off. Well, Pascal said, well, this is what it's like when we have this kind of this wager that everyone is forced to play, whether you're going, and the, the question is not game one or two, but it's, are you going to choose to believe in God or not? Are you going to choose to live for him and to follow him? And there's some people that they're betting on God. They're betting, uh, well, not just that he, that he exists, but they're, they're putting their, their trust in him and living for him. And he says, realize, it could turn out one or two ways. Now, what is, what is it, what, if it turns out that we're wrong, yeah, you lose something, you do, okay? And it's, actually, it's not a small amount, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's finite, it's not infinite. But he says, but if, if you, um, but if you win, if you are right and you live for God, then the amount that you gain is, is more than 100 million. You, it's infinite that you get. And the other choice is for those that are, that are betting against God, they're hoping that I'm going to live my life for this life. I'm going to live for what I can get out of this and uh, the pleasures that I can get and uh, just fun I can get watching this and that and living for my job and uh, just earthly things that we can get. Well, let's say you win this one and it turns out that there's no God. Okay, well, you've, you've gained a few pleasures in this life. It was fun for, for a number of years. You know, but you've gained, a, at the most, a small amount. But what if you're wrong? What if it turns out that you bet against God, but God is there, and you leave this world to stand before a holy God, and you have to alone, by yourself, give an account for, for your life, your life of, of rejecting him, of betting against God and living a life of, of sin then it's not just a little bit and not just a finite amount that we lose. You, lose. you lose everything. That's an eternal loss. Scripture talks about eternal condemnation uh, forever in, in, in the lake of fire. And so Pascal was saying, if you were just looking at this from a cost-benefit analysis as far as what does it make more sense, he said it, it makes sense to, to bet on God that the, the, what you lose is far less, but what you gain is, is so, so much more. Now, here's the thing. As you think about which of these you would, you would choose to play, and, and maybe you've been playing one of these, and maybe through this message, God's working in your heart, and you realize, I've got to stop playing one, and this is not what I want to be doing. This does not make sense. The ultimate reason that we believe in God, it's not because of some kind of cost-benefit analysis. I mean, that's a very crude way to think about it. But I think it's helpful to bring that up because it helps you realize what are the stakes. I mean, what is, uh, what's at stake here? There is, this life is at stake. What are you going to get out of it? Are you going to live uh, uh, with, with pleasures in this life? Or is there, there going to be sacrifices? Okay, there's this life, but there's also eternity that is really at stake here. And so the ultimate reason, hopefully, that you believe, again, is not just for the, the rewards, that this is the better game to play. Ultimately, I pray it's, pray it's because God has spoken to you by his Spirit through this word and just convinced you 
in your heart that this is the truth. That what is recorded here, Paul telling us that, that he is an eyewitness, knows for sure that, that and is relaying this, that, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the Scripture, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom at this time were still alive, although some had fallen asleep, some had died. He says, I have a... then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. And Paul says he too saw the risen Lord. He said, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. That you believe that the testimony of, of God's word and these, the apostles, the witnesses speaking through this to you. And you, just, you trust God because you see that this is real. But there's so much that is at stake. But Paul said in this passage that, that if we're wrong, if it turns out that uh, Jesus really didn't rise from the dead, if none of this is true, we, this is not a small loss. This is actually a pretty big loss. And maybe you think losing $100 would be big, but yeah, losing this life and everything, this, this would be a big loss. And that's why he says we would be above all most to be pitied. We're to be pitied above all people, all fo- people for wasting our lives. To quote the renowned theologian, Mr. T, he says, I pity the fool who lives for Christ if this is not true. Why is that? Because many people in America would say, no, it's, it would make sense. to I'd be a Christian anyways, even if this wasn't true, because you, know, you get to live a nicer life. You know, people kind of respect you if you're a Christian. Uh, it's just kind of the good thing to do. Plus, you, know, you, you feel better about things. You know, it gives you this nice little inner joy. And, uh, so I, I'd be a Christian even if, if, even if this wasn't true. Paul would have not said that. Paul would have not. And you know what? Most Christians in the world today would not say that either. Most uh, Christians throughout history wouldn't say that because most of the time throughout history, to, to be a Christian, you're becoming persecuted. Your life may be going from okay to, to terrible because now there's people that want to, to kill you. All of a sudden there's things that your job, you may lose your job, you may be ostracized. You may lose body parts in, in many parts of the world, including your head. Many people have been killed for being, for being Christians. Think of Paul himself. He, he had it going on. I mean, he had a great career. as He was one of this rising star as a Pharisee, as a rabbi. He was a person of influence, of importance. Uh, people respected him. Uh, he had you know, plenty of uh, good finances. But when Jesus, the risen Jesus, appeared to him on the road to Damascus, while well, he was still persecuting Christians and, and turned his heart and opened his eyes so that he changed and believed, he left all of that former life. He left all of that privilege. He left all of his uh, potential in that world and instead traded that in for, for following Jesus and trusting in him. And what did he get in return? He got, he got a life of, of, of hardship. 
He got a life of uh, hard, hard work with, with barely uh, you know, any f- funds to support himself. Scripture reports him, him being beaten, him being whipped uh, many times. One time he was, he was stoned by a community, uh, possibly to death, and God brought him back. It's, it's ambiguous what exactly happened there. Uh, and at the end, he gets put in prison, and he, he gets his head cut off. That's what he traded in because he believed that Jesus was risen. Because he saw, he knew. But he's saying, it, it's worth it because there's more. Because Jesus is risen, it means he really is God. And if Jesus is risen, it means there's more after this life is done. So all the sacrifices that are made in this life, they're worth it because the payoff isn't meant to come in this life. There may be some good things. We do have a deep-seated real joy that's not a placebo if Jesus is risen. And that's, it's fantastic. There are great times of worship that we have. Following Jesus does make sense to structure your family according to, to his ways. It's how things are designed to be. But there's going to be hardships. There's going to be many things you give up. There's going to be many worldly pleasures that you say no to because you realize that it doesn't please God and you're, you're looking forward to a, a greater reward. But if Jesus isn't risen, it's a waste. You've, you've, uh, you've done all that really for, for nothing because at the end, lights go out and you're just done. And you had this one life to live it up and you blew it suffering for Jesus. If Jesus is not risen, Christian, you are to be pitied above all else. That's what Paul was saying in verse 19. Without the resurrection, it's, it, the joke is on us. But let's keep thinking about this. What would it be like if Christ was, was not risen? If Christ was not risen, then to die is, is to perish. Then once we die, well, if there's no resurrection, if there's no eternity, if there's no eternal life, then death really is just the end. And that's all there is. There's no, there's no beyond to, to make up for anything in this life. You ever hear John Lennon's song, Imagine? People, you hear this thing, oh, it's a beautiful song, until you start listening to the words. You know, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. It talks about no God. And the point of the song is, well, wouldn't life be so much better if there was no religion, there was no God, there was no heaven, it's just this life, and then we wouldn't have wars. And I don't know what reality he was living in to think that that works. But let's, let's try to imagine that for a little bit. It, it's not beautiful. It's horrifying. Horrifying. I'm sure many of you know who Stephen Hawking is. He died this, uh, well, on March 14th. He was the famous uh, Cambridge physicist. He wrote The Brief History of Time. And he suffered from uh, motor neuron disease uh, pretty much all of, for, uh, for decades and decades. He was confined to a wheelchair and spoke through a, through a computer system. And he died, and I think it was a funeral just over the weekend. And I saw online that one of the last things that, that he published, some of his scientific work on the, the universe, 
And someone that, that didn't believe in God spent his whole life studying, well, he didn't acknowledge it as God's creation, but, but it is, and trying to make sense of it. Uh, but one of the last works that, that he published talked about the end of the universe, the end of the world, and, and what will happen. And basically, according to his paper and uh, what he had published, that the, there will come a time, well, eventually, you know, the, the sun will burn out and explode, and then uh, eventually the other stars will. You know, things go to a state of entropy, things lose their energy. And he said eventually the stars rapidly will lose their energy and the universe will fade into nothingness. Just fade into blackness, into oblivion, into absolute, absolute nothingness as the stars rapidly lose their energy. Hey, uplifting, huh? Now you come to church and woo! Eventually there's nothing, just blackness, oblivion. And this is, this is a worldview that if, if there's no eternity, if they're right that this world is all there is and everything that you are is just a matter of, of physical particles and electricity, then ultimately that's what you have to look forward to. I mean, eventually you're going to die before that, but let's say you're hoping they're going to find something that preserves life. Well, eventually the sun explodes. Let's say you were able to get on a rocket ship and escape and keep things going. Well, eventually everything else explodes too and eventually everything fizzles out and basically there, eventually there's no hope for anything and everything's in oblivion and nothing at all will be remembered ever. There will be no history. There will be no observer to think, well, that was a nice story. Nothing. Absolute nothingness. It means that everything that you hold is more, most important. Love, love that you have for your, for your family, for your spouse, is just a bunch of neurons firing in your, in, in your brain. That's all it is. If you took the right pills, if you they hooked up the right electrodes, they can make you feel it differently because it's, it's just a bunch of circuitry. That's all it is. Everything that you think is important, everything that gives your life meaning, there's no real thing as meaning or purpose or justice or rights. All it is is this little computer game going on in our head and one day that circuitry is going to break down. They're going to put you in a, in a box and put you in the ground. And all this is going to, your dreams are going to turn into just a, a dust and a bunch of bones. And you won't remember anything. And it won't matter what your life was like. And you may say, well, other people will remember. I'll live on in them. Well, it won't matter for you because you won't remember anything. And how long are they going to remember you? What do you remember about your great-grandmother? When's the last time you thought of how much you even know about some past presidents of the United States? Things fade really, really quickly. And at the end, there's no one to remember. Then it doesn't matter if you lived your life as an award-winning humanitarian serving the poor and doing good, or if you lived your life as an axe murderer. It's all the same in the end if there's no eternity and there's no God, because at the end, it's just nothingness. Isn't that awful? Think about, this is what it's like if Christ hasn't risen. If this is all a giant joke, it is, it is awful. And it gets worse. You can say, what could be worse than, than this? It's pretty bleak right now. Well, what could be worse is, what if Christ isn't risen, but what if there is a God? 
And we stand before him without a risen Savior, without one that, that, that died and uh, was the real deal. What if Jesus was just some guy that got himself killed? That's what a lot of people think that, that he was. Uh, Bible scholars, there's one, Dominic uh, Crossan, and he writes that Jesus, uh, he, he wasn't really God. He, he died, and people say, well, what happened to his body? He says, well, they buried his body in probably a shallow grave like the other criminals, and probably the wild dogs came around, and they got his body, and that's what happened. Huh. Well, if, if that's what happened, if Jesus wasn't the real deal, or if he, was, if he was a failure, if he died and didn't rise again, then not only is for us to die, uh, perishing, oblivion would be a good option, but instead it means that we stand before God and that we're still in our sins. That you stand before a holy God without someone to, that took our place, without someone that could actually take away our sins. Because I am a sinner. I have sinned against God again and again and again. I hate that fact that, that I'm a sinner. I hate that I, they have done this. But I realize that I came into this world with a corrupt, sinful heart. And I need a, a God-man to save me. Only Jesus could do it because only Jesus was fully God and fully human. He had to be fully human so he could take the place of humans. And he had to be fully, he had to be fully God to take our, okay, he had to be fully human to take the place of humans and he had to be fully God for his death to be worth enough to be able to pay for the sins of all of us. And he had to be willing to do this and actually to do this. And he, he died, he was raised again, and that's important because it's God's seal that he, he accepts Jesus' death and resurrection. It's also important because it's not just that we, we, when you put your faith in Christ, you die with him, but you're also raised with him as well. That you receive your, your, your justification, your eternal life with him. And if, if Christ isn't raised, then we're not raised with him either. And we're still in our sins. So when we think about Easter, this isn't just something that we do for a little bit before we go home and you eat your Easter ham and you have Easter egg hunt in the backyard. This isn't the preliminary. This is, this is the main thing. To realize how important this is. That Jesus Christ really did rise. If Jesus isn't risen then yes, it would be foolish to live with your faith in him. But on the flip side, if Jesus is risen, if all of this is true, then the truth is, if Jesus is risen, it would be foolish. It would be foolishness for you not to live with your faith in Christ. Because there's so much to gain. Not just that there's so much to lose if you're wrong, but there's so much to gain being right and living this way. If Christ is not raised, if he's not raised, your faith is futile. But if Christ is raised, then, then unbelief would be a catastrophe. Let's read again from 1 Corinthians. See, what will you gain if this is all true? Starting with verse 20. But in fact... Let me say, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. 
the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, and by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. It goes on, For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Let's think of the benefits. If our faith is futile, if he isn't risen, then the opposite, praise God, is also true. That if you have your faith in him, that means that you're no longer in your sins. You are not in your sins if you are in Christ. If you have your faith in him. You see, we all come into this world as, as sons and daughters of Adam who sinned, and because of that we inherit, we inherit this corruption, this guilt that we get from him, and we add to it with our own sin. We're in Adam, and if you're in Adam, yeah, it, it, you're going to stand before God and be, be judged for our sin. But there's a new reality that we can have that through faith we can be transferred out of, out of this death, out of our sin, and into, into Christ to be joined with him. So that when Jesus died on the cross, God sees, he views it that you died with him, that you are raised to new life with him. You're no longer accountable to your sins because Christ became accountable for your sins. He paid the price for you on the cross. If you are in him, if you have put your trust in him. And so I want to ask you, where, where are you? Are you still in your sins because you have not trusted Christ? And is that how you want to enter eternity? When the offer is here that by God's grace is a free gift, you can just trust him and be pulled out of your sin and, and, and into forgiveness forevermore because Jesus has paid the price already for you. That's what Good Friday was about. He hung on that, that cross, taking the, the curse that we deserve. And today we celebrate that, that he won. He's victorious. God re- received that and brought him back and can raise you to new life as well. In addition, because it's not just that, it's also that death is defeated. The, the last enemy, verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is, is death. Death does not win at the end. There is, there is eternity. There is life for us beyond the grave. There's eternal life that, when you trust in Christ, starts now and keeps going forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That means that this life, when, when we, we, Scripture keeps calling it going to sleep for Christians. Because, you know, going to sleep, it, it's kind of a temporary thing. You know, it's, it's, not, it's an enemy, but it's also something that we know that God is, is 
undoing, that he is defeated, that he is, he's, he's defeating this enemy, and that we will be raised. If you die right now, you go to be with God right away in, in your, your soul or your spirit, and then eventually when Christ comes back, you even get a new physical body again. The resurrection is true not just for Christ, but, but for you as well. And one that's not well, raised to spend eternity in, in torment, but to be with him forever. And actually, the Bible talks about there being a new, renewed earth that we get to live on. It's going to be just fantastic. I mean, the best of everything here you can imagine, take away all the negatives and multiply the, the great things by, by a zillion and add all kinds of things you can't even imagine. That's what it's going to be like forever. And that's what you get to look forward to. Death right now, which, which separates you from your loved ones, is defeated. If you and your loved one know Christ, be united together again. And even more important, united with your God and Savior, the one that you love more than anything else. This means that if Christ is risen, then eternity is real, and this gives meaning to everything. You cannot have real meaning in life unless there is eternity. I really believe that. Some people will try to say, no, there's meaning. We create our own meaning. Well, you're just, it's just a joke. It's just an illusion. Because why is it really important? If all we are is just a bunch of computer systems and, you know, whether it's love or hate or whatever, it's just a bunch of neurons firing. And if eventually, whether you treat another person well or you treat them terrible, at the end, you're both just a bunch of broken down computers that are in the ground and don't remember anything, what does it really matter? And eventually, there's no one that's even going to remember your story. We tend to think, well, at least I leave this historic, you know, beautiful story behind. That only works if there's someone to remember. If God is real, well, he knows everything. I mean, if God is real, he knows even the secret sufferings that you go through. He knows the, the, all of the trials. He knows the things that you give up to live for Christ, your, your time, your finances, uh, just the, the inner turmoil and suffering. He knows your prayers. He knows all of this. And he cares. And if you're doing it for the right reasons, he appreciates it. You have, you have the best audience that, that can look at what you're doing and what he's doing through you and, and, and love that. It gives meaning to everything we do. When we affect other people's lives, we're changing the lives of other people that will live forever. If God uses you to help someone else come to faith in Christ, you've, you've changed somebody's forever from being condemned forever to being saved and with Christ and enjoy forever and ever and ever. That has, that has meaning. Eternity is real. Everything has meaning. Everything is remembered. Every sacrifice you make will be rewarded. Everything that you suffer will be redeemed if Christ is risen. And if all of this is true, it means the Lord will reign. Jesus will, will reign forever and ever. There's a time where he will reign, putting all enemies under his feet, and at the end, then everything gets turned over to, to the Godhead as, as a whole, and, and God and Christ with him, the Trinity, the reign forever and ever and ever. This means that there will be justice one day. We live in a broken, hurting, awful world, but Jesus will return and make things right. There will be real, true justice, the way that he defines it. And we will see our Lord with our eyes. We will worship him and delight in him forever. So at the end, I need to ask you, April Fool's Day, right? 
Someone is playing an April Fool's Day joke, one or the other, whether this is true or whether this is not true. We have to think, who's fooling who? Because it's either, it's either Paul and the apostles and the Bible that's trying to play this awful April Fool's Day joke on you, and if it's true, I'm in on it too, because I'm trying to convince you that this is all true. But the authority comes from the Bible and from, from Paul and these eyewitnesses, and they're making this gigantic hoax, trying to get you to live your life for Jesus and to trust in him. And if they're liars, well, th- then you're a fool to believe this. But if it's the other way around, don't you realize that it's the devil that is trying to play the April Fool's Day joke? The one that he has convinced most of the world to just live your life, ignore this whole Jesus thing. That's going to that's gonna wreck your life. It's going to make you feel guilty about things that you want to do. You're going to end up, you, you, you just forget about that. I got so many good things, the devil says, to offer you instead. Things in this life that you can live for. Physical pleasures and pride and all this. And ooh, it's so important. April Fool's. If, if you're believing that. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to trust? And let me just tell you, one of these, let's say Paul and the apostles, they saw, they knew for sure. They were willing to suffer. You have a first-hand account here, word for word, from what he wrote. Yeah, translated from, into, directly from Greek into English for you. But you have this from somebody that saw and somebody that was willing to suffer and suffer and suffer to proclaim this message. Does it seem like that person would be the liar? Or the devil, the one that's a liar from the beginning? The one that hates God? The one that is the source of all the evil in this world, of all murder and rape and awfulness? The one that doesn't care about you at all, hates you because he hates God, the God that loves you? Who is fooling who? Who are you going to believe? What's worse than wasting your entire life? Wasting your entire eternity. If you accept Christ and you're wrong, yeah, you've wasted this one life. If you reject Christ and you're wrong, you're lost for eternity. But if you reject Christ and you're right, yeah, you've gained a few fleeting pleasures in this life. But if you accept Christ, if you accept Christ and you're right that he is risen, you gain everything forever. That's the message this morning. And all this is a guarantee because Jesus, he is risen. Let's pray. Lord, I give you thanks. We give you thanks. We praise you that you are, that we worship a risen Savior. And that because, because Jesus is alive, because, because he lives, because he is risen, this changes everything. That we can stand before God knowing that we are not in our sins because Christ took our sins and dealt with them on the cross. We can know that having trusted Christ, we are raised to new life forever with him. What a gift. We know that there's meaning and purpose that lasts forever. That every heartache, every sacrifice, everything that we go through, that every tear that we have, that you will 
redeem, you will make it worth it in the end. You will make it worth it forever. So Lord, strengthen our faith. Help us to, to believe this and to live like this is true. And Lord, I pray for anyone here that is still in their sins, that doesn't know you, that is, is betting on a life that at the end, the best they could possibly, the best possible outcome is just oblivion and meaninglessness. I pray that you, by your Spirit and by the Word of God, would convict them in their heart. And that right now, even right now in, in the quietness of their heart, they would turn to you. If this is you, they're out there. And if you desire to put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you believe this, if this makes sense to you, I, I, I encourage you, I offer you to, to God, pray this prayer with me. Lord God, I believe that you are real. Lord God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I am guilty. I've sinned against you. Lord, this grieves my heart. Lord, I acknowledge that I, I deserve to be condemned. But Lord, I believe what your word says. I believe that Jesus was the God-man. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And right now, I, I bet everything on him. I bet my eternity that this is true, that Jesus died for me. And I believe that Jesus rose again. I accept this gift. I trust you, Lord. I accept you. I put all of my dependence on you right now. Lord, I thank you for this free gift. Be at work in my heart and my life. Help me to live in gratitude for what you've done. Lord, this reality changes everything. I pray for anyone here that you're working in their heart, that, that they would truly believe that it would change everything in their life, not just today, but the day after and the day after forever. And in all of us, let us go from here living our lives in the reality that you are a risen Lord. Let us live like this is real. We are not to be pitied because this is the truth. We give you praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.